Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. So glad you could join us today on this Thanksgiving Eve here in the United States of America. I know our Canadian listeners celebrated a month ago or so, but uh, here in America, we're getting ready for the Thanksgiving holiday and all sorts of things happening here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We're coming to you live from Delta 9 Studios here in Southeast Potland, and great to have you here. Had a friend just stop by talking about the uh, Thanksgiving, or as she likes to call it, gratitude holiday. There's also a protest going on tomorrow morning here in Portland uh, regarding that uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, a lot of protests going on in that area of the country. And uh, we are following that just a little bit here at Delta 9 Studios. A lot of people uh, very concerned about the uh, plight of the Native Americans up there in the Dakotas and the possibility of spoiling some not only sacred lands for these people, but the uh, the water table uh, for the entire uh, area, the entire region. So uh, we will get a report on that sometime in the future. We'll talk a little bit more about that and other topics, because I got to tell you, folks, as we uh, move forward in this uh, world, in this Trump administration, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about stuff that's not necessarily marijuana related. Uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it in the second hour. Uh, Toker Talk Radio, which is all about talk radio for tokers. It doesn't mean we necessarily talk about toke, although we do mostly. But uh, I'm going to save that second hour for some off-the-warpath stories and maybe talk a little bit more broadly about politics in America. So uh, that'll be in our second hour. We'll keep this first hour dedicated to the marijuana news. And coming up in today's first hour, we've got our Cannabis Radio News, where we've got the first company to be traded on the New York Stock Exchange that has to do with cannabis. So looking forward to telling you about that. We've got some uh, activism going on in Montana to hasten the implementation of their Initiative 182. We've got a weird look at Washington State's messed up cannabis laws to show you. In New York State, they are trying to get more uh, medical marijuana patients through loosening up the ability to get a recommendation. And we've got a couple of teenagers busted for marijuana, uh, two teenagers with some links to some high-profile musicians. And in the Netherlands, an update on their cannabis laws and the ruling party campaigning to get them changed. So we'll tell you all about that coming up next in the Cannabis Radio News. Also on the show today, in Behind the Headlines, our Cannabis Focus takes a look at the marijuana depenalization measures that passed in four out of five Ohio cities this last election. One of those cities, Newark, Ohio, is ignoring the will of the voters. We'll tell you why and uh, what we can do about it coming up right after the Cannabis Radio News. After our 420 break, we'll get into some drug war data mining, and we're taking a look at a new study where scientists are following up on something a lot of us have been saying for years, and that is 
Cannabis isn't a gateway drug to hard drugs. It's an exit drug from hard drugs. We'll talk about that in the data mines. In pot and public policy today, we're going to talk about a case in Illinois where a police officer was caught testa-lying, and uh, it's going to set free a man caught with 17 pounds of marijuana in Illinois. And then in the radical rant today at the end of the show, at least at the end of the first hour, uh, we'll talk about the white-collar, blue-collar drug testing divide. Now that eight states have legalized marijuana, the issue of employment drug testing is coming front and center. Couldn't happen soon enough. Then stay tuned at hour two. Toker Talk Radio will take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. The news is next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Hey, this is Tommy Chong. This is Ray Dawn on the other mic. Yes, the eldest. Was and awesome. we saw it was called uh, Dying to Know. It's a love story between Ram Das and Tim Leary. Yeah, the gay Jew and Tim. <laughs> But he wasn't gay when he was a professor. He didn't know. That must have been a shock to his wife. The one time he, like, met a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belleville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Young people from all walks of life have volunteered to take part in a frightening experiment. Next. For a short time each day, they are allowing their brains to be altered. Altered to the degree that paranoia has been induced. Altered to cause loss of motor functions. Altered to have adverse effects on reproductive organs. Altered to produce heart malfunction and destruction of brain cells to the point of memory loss. And acceleration of the aging process. The most frightening part of this experiment is that it is not an experiment. It's what slowly happens to you when you keep smoking pot. No one has to alter your brain. You've already volunteered to do it to yourself. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. 
Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016. A company that specializes in medical marijuana real estate has become the first cannabis business to be traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Innovative Industrial Properties filed an initial public offering on October 17th. Exchange officials would not comment on the company's medical marijuana clients being out of compliance with federal law. Forbes reports that IPOs are down 42% this year, suggesting that may be why officials are willing to relax their legality requirements. Such wasn't the case for social networking application Massroots, whose IPO was rejected by NASDAQ, despite the app having nothing to do with buying, selling, or cultivating cannabis. Montana medical marijuana advocates and patients are asking a judge to fix a mistake in a voter-approved ballot initiative that inadvertently delayed the reopening of shuttered pot dispensaries by eight months. A state law that limited medical marijuana providers to three patients apiece took effect on August 31st after a five-year battle, leaving thousands of registered users without legal access to marijuana. Earlier this month, Montana voters passed Initiative 182 to repeal the three-patient limit, but the writers of the ballot measure accidentally put in a July 1st, 2017 effective date instead of making it immediately effective. One lawsuit was filed Tuesday, and another was to be filed this week, asking District Judge James Reynolds of Helena to issue an order that would reopen marijuana dispensaries immediately. The Montana Cannabis Industry Association is asking Reynolds to rule that the delayed effective date was the result of what's known as a Scrivener's error that courts can correct. Washington State's bizarre cannabis laws are in focus this week because a pot shop owner wants to give away free marijuana and the local news reported it, triggering a warning from state officials about illegal advertising. Carol Earhart, owner of 420 Friendly in Spokane, said Tuesday she was planning a giveaway of up to an ounce of marijuana to card-holding medical marijuana patients today. Since the passage of new laws folding the state's medical marijuana dispensaries into the retail marijuana system, shops like 420 Friendly, that hold the state's new medical marijuana endorsement, quote, may donate product to qualifying patients or designated providers who hold a valid recognition card, end quote. However, quote, licensees may not advertise free or donated product, end quote. I'm not advertising, Erhart said Tuesday. This is a news story. But in addition to the news story, Earhart's shop had posted notices, since deleted, about the so-called Freed Weed event on Facebook. The New York State Health Department says it has filed amendments to medical marijuana regulations to authorize nurse practitioners and physician assistants to certify patients for medical marijuana. Health Commissioner Howard Zucker says more than 10,500 patients have been certified by more than 740 registered physicians to date. Allowing nurse practitioners and physician assistants to certify patients is intended to improve patient access. The agency says it's continuing its review of using medical marijuana for chronic pain, and a decision is expected by the end of the month. One teenage brother of musicians and the teenage son of another musician are in hot water after being busted for marijuana possession. Frankie Jonas, the 16-year-old younger brother of the Jonas Brothers pop trio, was busted in Nashville outside of a convenience store, reports TMZ. 
Meanwhile, in London, Rocco Ritchie, the 16-year-old son of filmmaker Guy Ritchie and pop star Madonna, was spotted by police smoking weed in public and subsequently busted for possession, according to Page Six. First-time possession of a half-ounce is a misdemeanor in Tennessee, punishable by up to a year in jail and a $250 fine. However, Jonas will benefit from the recent passage of a decriminalization measure in Nashville that punishes possession of a half ounce or less with a $50 fine or 10 hours of community service. The penalty for Ritchie in the UK can be as low as a fine of 90 pounds or up to five years in prison. More than 80% of the ruling party in the Netherlands has voted to revamp the nation's cannabis laws to include legal production. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016. I'm Russ Melville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the state of Ohio, where there were four communities out of the five that voted that uh, passed a major depenalization measure. Uh, And first of all, a lot of the media report this as a decriminalization measure. It's not. It's depenalization. The difference, of course, is decrim means that what you're doing is not a crime, but merely an infraction. But you still get punished for it. You get a fine, you get sometimes your driver's license taken, whatever it might be. But you don't get a criminal record. Depenalization, on the other hand, means that what you're doing is still a crime. However, you don't get penalized for it, or the penalty is being reduced for it. And that's what happened in these four cities in Ohio that include uh, Newark, Bel Air, 
Roseville and Logan. Uh, there was another city that voted that uh, did not pass it. And they're modeled after an initiative that passed in Toledo, Ohio, the year prior. What it does is it makes it under city code, the, munici- the municipal code in those four cities and, and in Toledo, make it so that the minor misdemeanor for possession of up to 200 grams of marijuana no longer has a penalty. There is no fine, there's no jail time, and there's no any other type of punitive or rehabilitative uh, measures may be taken against the person who's in possession. And this is up to 200 grams. We're talking about seven ounces in this case. So in these cities, the city code says that the, uh, the punishment for that minor misdemeanor shall be nothing. But it still remains a minor misdemeanor. You still get this criminal conviction on your record. So that's uh, an important thing to remember. Well, this passed by 53% of the vote in the city of Newark, Ohio. And the officials there are saying that nothing is going to change. The Newark law director, the fellow by the name of Doug Sasson, said the charges for misdemeanor marijuana possession will be filed under the state code. And this has always been the case when these localities pass these kind of municipal ordinance laws. It's one of those discretionary things where the city cops, when they catch you, they can charge you under the city law or they can charge you under the state law. And the Newark law director is saying they're going to continue to charge under the state law. State law is not so bad in Ohio. Anybody caught with less than 100 grams, that's about three and a half ounces, gets a uh, maximum fine of 150 bucks and loss of their driving privileges. Of course, for many people, especially poor people, working class people, losing your driving privileges means losing your job. And then that leads to losing your home and homelessness and all sorts of terrible things. So it'd be a lot better if they could get charged under the city code rather than the state code. Now, here's what's frustrating about this. Sasson, the uh, Newark law director, said that there's this precedent for charging under the state code because before this law passed in Newark, they had mostly charged people under the state code. And they had 170 cases back in 2015, 170 cases of marijuana possession, only 15 had been filed under the city code. And the reason Sasson gives for this is that there's, quote, it's important to have a measure of consistency countywide whenever possible. It's not a matter of ignoring the local ordinance. It's a matter of developing practices that we have over the years of applying state law because it has a consistent application countywide. What he's saying here is, is Newark, the city, is within Licking County, and the Newark Municipal Court... The city court also deals with some of these unincorporated county areas. So we want to be consistent, make sure we're punishing everyone the same, whether they live in the county or live in the city. And yeah, yeah, what a hassle that would be. But here's the thing. Under the previous law, according to Sasson, the reason most of those violations were filed under the state code is because Newark's city code used to be harsher than the state law. So Sasson is defending this, saying we're using the state. We used to use the state code because it was a better deal for the people than using the city code. But now that the city code is a better deal for the cannabis consumer, 
that doesn't apply <laughs> now that they've got a way to keep their driver's license and not pay a $150 fine. You're going to stick with the state code for consistency. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I don't know, man. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think that uh, if marijuana is not such a big deal, which these people always say, oh, we don't spend a lot of time busting marijuana is not really a priority. Well, if it's not, get people the chance to keep their driver's license. Give them the chance to not pay a fine and obey the, the, the will of the majority of the voters. Aren't elections supposed to have consequences? Maui, wowie. Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town, maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers. From a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Growing green to generate more green. Talking with multi-cup award winner Maya Elizabeth. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. I've always followed Whoopi, and I think she's fantastic. I've followed her advocacy over the years. Tell me a little bit how you think partnering with a mainstream, high-profile figure actually benefits the cannabis community as a whole. I have infinite respect for Whoopi Goldberg. I wouldn't just partner with any into that kind of thing. I'm into cannabis medicine, and I'm into making quality products that people can find relief from. So to hear that her vision was actually the same, it's been beyond a dream to manifest. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at an article in Scientific American called Can Pot-Related Drugs Wean Substance Abusers Off the Hard Stuff? And the story deals with the idea of marijuana as the exit drug. The idea that cannabinoids are beneficial in helping reduce the cravings for harder drugs, things like opioids or cocaine. 
And interesting, as I'm looking at the uh, chat room and people are having a discussion about harder drugs, we'll get to, uh, I'll answer some of those concerns in hour two. But uh, one of the things that bothers me about this, just right from the get-go, is the the framing of it. Can pot-related drugs, not pot, can, can marijuana, can cannabis wean substance abusers off the hard stuff? No, it's only if we take that cannabis and we pharmaceuticalize it and, prop, uh, and process it into some sort of pot-related drug, then we can think about how that might help people. So, so already, of course, now it's coming from Scientific American, so this kind of makes sense, that sort of framing. But it, it, it just it, it reveals that problem that we've got with the, the medical paradigm in this country where the idea is that nature and, and people can't naturally heal themselves, that we have to turn to some sort of pharmaceutical, some sort of scientific uh, uh, formulation rather than just finding a way to live in harmony naturally. So that's the first problem right off the bat. But, but still, to have a mainstream publication, mainstream science publication like this, even investigating the idea of cannabinoids as an anti-addiction treatment is definitely a move forward. Now, the Society for Neuroscience had its fall gathering in San Diego. And at this, this gathering, they had some presentations and this is what Scientific Americans reporting on. Uh, one of them was some preliminary research showing that CBD, you know, cannabidiol, can quell the urges for cocaine in rats that have been trained to be coke addicts. These rats, they, they let the... And, and, and yet imagine, life is a rat, you know. You could be pizza rat, you could be caught by a cat. Hey, can I volunteer for the cocaine study? <laughs> so these rats... They allow these rats to, to dose themselves with cocaine uh, freely, and eventually these rats become addicted. And so then they give the rats these uh, skin patches, you know, like the, the Nic- like the Nicorette patch, right? They give them a skin patch with cannabidiol, CBD patch. And the rats that had the CBD patch reduced their cocaine intake. The ones that didn't have the patch continued to consume as much cocaine as before. <laughs> Interesting uh, that the it didn't uh, end the cocaine intake, just reduced it. The, the, the idea that maybe marijuana helps you uh, handle your high a little better, I don't know. There's also some research that was uh, presented that showed an initial study on cannabidiol and alcohol consumption, desire to drink, and impulse toward relapse. Another possibility they uh, investigated was the pain patients and steering them away from opioids thanks to the endocannabinoid system and THC helping the uh, CB1 receptor when it's dealing with pain signals. The scientists from Indiana University found a way that they might be able to help neuropathic pain with this. And that's something that we've seen in a lot of the studies that we already have on medical cannabis use when it comes to pain is that the neuropathic pain is best treated by uh, cannabinoid therapies. This new information that they're getting through scientific American is beginning to validate what we've been calling the entourage effect. And, and it also is so valuable in validating the medical role of THC so much lately, you know, past couple of years, when it comes to medical cannabis has been focused on CBD, the, the miracle we see with the kids and the seizures. 
And it has that special public relations aspect of being able to say, yeah, and it's not the one that gets you high. It doesn't get you high. It's CBD and it doesn't get you high. There's some doubt about that, by the way, uh, but that we can talk about that now or two as well. The THC, though, despite it providing the side effect of euphoria, and, and why is that such a bad side effect for someone who's fighting pain? It makes them feel good, makes them giggle, uh, makes them appreciate noodly guitar solos. Why is that a bad thing? I don't, I've never understood that. Oh my God, it, it makes you high. As if people on OxyContin aren't high as F, right? <laughs> Come on now. So the Scientific American uh, article continues with some professors from uh, Columbia University, and uh, des- they describe how these are very promising developments, this exit drug theory, this even, even if we're going to accept the frame that the marijuana itself has to go through the FDA and has to be processed into some sort of pill or something, if we'll accept that, I mean, I don't necessarily give people the raw plant, but anyway, even if we go to that extent, these scientists are very clear in this presentation that, look, there's all this promise out there, read profits out there, but because of the Schedule One designation, we can't really move forward as quickly as we should. He even points out that cannabidiol, despite the fact cannabidiol's not psychoactive, doesn't lead to addiction, you know, get hooked on cannabidiol. It's treated like heroin. It's locked up. You've got to have the, you know, the the safe room that it's put into, you know. Turn the keys at the same time to get in like it's the nuclear codes or something. And, and it's frustrating to the extent, if you think about how derailed our science has been because of this war on drugs, that... As early as 1974, we were recognizing that THC caused cancer cells to commit suicide. We could be 40 years ahead in our understanding of this plant and development of its therapeutic potential. Sad. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Marijuana legalization is just the beginning of a process of restoring our natural rights to the cannabis plant. Join us now as we learn more about the rules, regulations, and court decisions that are shaping the landscape of legal marijuana in this edition of Pot Public Policy. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour. And today in Pot Public Policy, we take a look at our constitutional rights, uh, particularly the Fourth Amendment and the right against uh, uh, illegitimate search and seizure. This comes to us from an article in the Chicago Tribune dealing with an officer in Woodstock, Illinois, and uh, this uh, dash cam video that seems to contradict what uh, happened or what he said happened when he pulled over a black man and arrested him for possession of 17 pounds of vacuum-pressed marijuana. <laughs> so this cop has now resigned, and the uh, there's uh, lawsuits involved, and it's, it's kind of an interesting case. The traffic stop happened uh, in August, and the cop involved was a guy named Eric Schmidtke, and uh, he's resigned because uh, the dash cam video seems to have caught him testifying. Uh, if you don't know what that term means, testifying, that's uh, testifying with lies, as cops are wont to do in these drug cases. The police chief uh, confirmed that the uh, officer has resigned. The prosecutors have had to drop the charges against Philip Williams, the 31-year-old Woodstock man. Uh, he was driving the car and they found 17 pounds of marijuana. And, and according to the police report that Schmidtke filed, the cop, cop said he was on patrol on August 28th and he pulled over a 2014 black Mazda for an expired license plate sticker. All right. So let me pause the story there for a second. Uh, let's switch over here to Mike two. And uh, uh, those of you uh, who, if you're cops or narcs uh, or, uh, you know, prosecutors, uh, stay on mic one. I, I have something to say to the other folks on mic two. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> hey, guys. If, uh, if you're thinking about, like, you're going to traffic 17 pounds of marijuana in your car in a state that uh, starts with a vowel, um, one thought maybe is, like, uh, you know, check your registration. Make sure your registration is up to date and, and like your taillights are working and, and your window tint isn't too dark and your car is completely street legal. Uh, you don't have any crazy bumper stickers uh, pointing out your love of Jerry Garcia or normal or whatever. Uh, just a thought, right? Just maybe, you know, don't do that shit. Okay? All right. Let's go back to Mike one. All right. So, uh... Pulled him over for this expired license plate sticker. And the officer, Schmidtke, the cop, he wrote, quote, this is in the, in the police report. He wrote, quote, 
Based on my 18 years of police training and experience, I detected the slight odor of cannabis from inside the car. End quote. All right, so cop pulls guy over, expired sticker, says he smells pot. Oh, I smell pot. And so from that, he calls the cop, the canine cop over, Officer Sharon Freund, and her police dog, Blue. Officer Blue. The uh, police dog handler runs the dog around the car. The dog alerts, because remember, there's 17 pounds of weed in the car. The dog alerts at the trunk. They open the trunk. They find the 17 pounds of weed. They take the guy. They book him. Felony charges. This is the kind of thing. This is like mandatory minimum sentence stuff. We're talking six to 30 years in this state, right? So in Illinois, right? Six to 30 years mandatory minimum after the dog alerted and they found the weed. Well, the defense, defense lawyer, when they uh, went for discovery, they wanted to take a look at this dash cam. Dash cam's got some audio on it. And <laughs> what they found was that uh, the guy who was pulled over, uh, Philip Williams is his name. So remember, the cop wrote down that in his police report, pulled him over th- for the sticker, walked up to the car. I smell weed based on my experience because I'm super cop. I smell weed. And then he calls the the lady cop in with the, the canine, right? So... On the dash cam video, he's talking to Williams. He's not saying anything about the smell of weed at that point. And Williams, the driver, is like objecting to this cop saying he's going to get the drug dog in. And the, the Williams, he says, I should be free to leave. And Schmidtke, the cop, says, you're not free to leave. Hey, I just want to pause for a second and give this Williams fella a little bit of a little bit of love here from uh, the Russ Belville show for standing up for his constitutional rights. That's exactly what you do. Am I free to go now, officer? Am I free to leave? When they start talking about searches, you start asking if you're free to leave and you start saying that you do not consent to any searches. It may not help you at the time. It didn't help this guy at the time. He got cuffed and stuffed and busted on a felony, and he's looking at 6 to 30. But he did the right thing at the right time. Because what happened then is that Officer Sharon Freund shows up with her cop, with her police dog, right? Blue. And on the video, she's talking to Schmidtke, and she's a little confused. Because she's like, well, why did you wait for me to bring the police dog if you can smell it this is her quote if you can smell it you can search it right if the cop could actually smell marijuana coming from the car he didn't need to bring the police dog he could have just started searching so schmitke said in response quote i don't smell it end quote and freund the lady cop to her credit says quote why do you say you could smell it end quote so so he's admitting right there on the dash cam that he didn't smell pot. What he had written down in his police report. The discussion goes on between the two cops and Schmidtke references that Williams had a prior arrest. Oh, he's got priors. I pulled over a black guy in a fairly new car and he's got priors. So obviously I need an excuse 
to see what no good he's up to. The I smell pot excuse. Oh, I smell pot. Bring in the drug dog. So she does the search for the dogs. The dog alerts. They arrest him. They pull out 17 pounds of vacuum sealed pot. So he's unlawful possession, 5,000 grams or more. Mandatory minimum, 6 to 30. Car got towed. So Williams now has filed the lawsuit against the two officers and the city of Woodstock saying the video shows that Schmitke lied on his police report and there was a grand jury that was convened for this case, lied to them too. Lied to the grand jury too. So the suit seeking monetary damages and alleges that this is a part of a larger pattern where the Woodstock police have been pursuing wrongful drug convictions based on untruthful testimony. Testa-lying. They say uh, Williams, who is black, has been often pulled over by police. There was the prior arrest he had in 2014 was a case where all the occupants of the car were charged with possession of marijuana before the driver admitted it was his and the case against Williams was dropped. So here's a situation where the guy was arrested. Remember, you're arrested. You're innocent until proven guilty, right? Case was dropped. Guy was never proven guilty. He didn't have priors. He was not prior convicted for weed. He had been arrested for it. But that charge was dropped. Goes to show you that, again, even just the arrest can have a significant impact in your life. Now, the cops are trying to say, well, you know, he did find... They did find 17 pounds, just, you know, this technicality. Oh, oh no. It's un- Here's the quote uh, from the police chief. Even though the circumstances were unfortunate and resulted in losing the case, this individual did, in fact, have 17 pounds of marijuana in the trunk of his car. That's undeniable. So, yeah. Look, here's the way rights work. If you don't protect the constitutional rights of the most heinous criminal, You start down a slippery slope where you start not respecting the constitutional rights of anybody suspected of being a criminal, and that erodes the entire foundation of the idea of being innocent until proven guilty, of holding the state to the standard of proving its allegations against people. Sometimes you get people that uh, have a problem with the exclusionary rule, that were able to get 17 pounds dismissed from a case because a cop didn't follow a procedure. And the procedure in this case was a recent Supreme Court decision that held that you can't just detain someone, keep them on the side of the road until you can bring in the drug-sniffing dog. Now, if you're the cop with the drug-sniffing dog, yeah, you can go get your dog and run it around. But to detain someone merely for the fishing expedition of trying to find out whether they got drugs on them after you've already conducted the stop, you've already given the ticket or the warning or whatever the hell, that's unconstitutional. That's a violation of our Fourth Amendment rights. Even people that are trafficking 17 pounds a pot in a car with expired tags. Don't do that, guys. Please check your tags. Please. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll talk drug testing and the radical rant and how the computer jobs aren't testing for it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds till they bought, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lou Fredericks. We're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses. State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where does it go from personal use to commercial use? It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, today in the Radical Rant, we get back to one of my... Uh, Regular subjects? I was going to say favorite, but it's not a favorite of mine. It's a subject I wish would just go the hell away. And that's the subject of drug test discrimination in the United States of America. And that's what I call it, folks. It's not workplace drug testing. It's drug test discrimination. It's discrimination based on the content of our pee, not the content of our character. And I oppose it in every circumstance. I even oppose it in the so-called safety-sensitive positions. Yes, I do. I feel that if you got a person that's running an airplane or a, a train or rocket ship, for that matter, and you're not conducting enough oversight that you can't tell someone's too high or too high, I should say. I was going to say too high or drunk, but drunk is high too impaired to do their job, then let's add some more oversight. Let's add some more management. Let's not start judging people by the content of their pee. Now, post-accident, sure. Post-accident, yeah. It's valid to determine what exactly was going on 
in the body and mind of the person who was involved. But this pre-employment and random bullshit has got to stop. And most primarily because of marijuana. And this is the subject that the Wall Street Journal has taken a look at in a post yesterday that's entitled Legal Marijuana Poses New Problems for Employee Drug Testing. They point out that they've got uh, some form of legal cannabis use in 28 states now, eight of them legal, absolutely legal for all adults 21 and over, and the other 20 with medical use at various levels. And they're pointing out that uh, the states that have passed the legalization uh, have still allowed employers to maintain this drug test discrimination, to be able to put the no pot smokers need apply sign up in the window when they got a help wanted ad out. It's discrimination. It's like the no Irish need apply signs back a century ago. There's no legitimate reason why people that use cannabis, even on a regular basis, should be denied the same employment opportunities as people who drink beer. And as we know, drug testing does not tell us that someone is high at the time or even that someone has relatively recently used at the time. In the case of cannabis, THC and its metabolites stay in the body for a long period of time. A day, two days, a week in heavy users with high body fat even. Even longer, we have, we have reliable evidence showing people testing positive even after absolute abstinence up to 30 days after they have stopped using. So this is nothing but rank discrimination against cannabis consumers by denying them job opportunities and scholarships and financial aid and other things that are P-tested for. It's just discrimination. And they're pointing out that uh, they, they talked to, this is the Wall Street Journal, talked to Amanda Bayer, who's an attorney at the Merrick O'Connell Law Firm in Worcester, Mass., And she is saying that firing or disciplining a worker for a positive drug test could open firms to legal challenges from employees. No, no company wants to be the test case. If workers are not in a safety sensitive position, they probably shouldn't be tested, end quote. And this is kind of a a sea change, if you will, in how I'm hearing employment lawyers and human resources professionals talking about drug testing. And the idea now is that there could be more financial fallout, more difficulty for these companies having to face these lawsuits in legal states than there would be from the benefit of keeping a drug testing policy in a non-safety sensitive position. The problem that I run into is that we've already got decisions in most of these Western states that affirm the right of employers to maintain these drug test discriminations against medical marijuana patients. Now, the difference being medical marijuana under those state laws is still not legal marijuana. So when you look at the uh, raging wire case in, uh, in California or uh, uh, Emerald steel in, uh, in Oregon or the one up in Washington state or the case in Colorado, the Coates case, the, the Michigan Casayas case, you look at all those cases and you're talking about courts that are upholding this, um, this discrimination. 
because marijuana is still illegal. Medical marijuana just gives you a, a, an exemption from prosecution. It's like that depenalization thing, right? It's like it's still against the law. We just can't p- penalize you for it. But since it is still against the law, it's something you can legally discriminate against. Well, now, now we've got new cases that could come up. Because now, in the entire Pacific time zone, you got from Alaska, Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Colorado, Maine, and Massachusetts, where marijuana use is legal. So now what's the excuse for the discrimination? Well, they'd have to fall back on federal illegality. And they do in some cases. I think it was in the Colorado case. They, they have a, a law in Colorado called the Lawful Off-Duty Activities Statute, which is you can't be discriminated for doing things off-duty that are legal. Like your boss can't fire you for joining the, uh, the Libertarian Party. It's legal to be a Libertarian, no matter how unwise. Uh, it's just so, <laughs> so, so they can't fire you for that. They can't discriminate against you because you did something off duty that was legal or, or you joined the soccer club or you're in some weird sex cult or whatever it might be. As long as it's legal, you can't be fired for that in Colorado. Well, when that challenge came up, the court said, well, yeah, but it's still federally illegal. So that you're not doing something lawful, which really opens the question of why is the Colorado Supreme Court making a decision about a Colorado law as to whether or not it's affected by a federal law being illegal? Seems like out of their jurisdiction to me, but I don't know the uh, ins and outs of that kind of stuff. But now we've got these other states where there could be these test cases. There could be more assaults on this drug testing discrimination from the point of view that you are arbitrarily discriminating against somebody for doing something that's perfectly legal. Now, in the case of, I've heard people say, well, Russ, they, they discriminate against people that smoke tobacco. Yeah, but do they give them a tobacco test? Do they test them for nicotine? Maybe they are. I don't know how that works, but I guess in those cases, they might cite the, uh, the cost from the uh, health problems that people would have. But if they want to make that kind of, uh, they want to make that same kind of excuse for discriminating against cannabis consumers, they're going to be in for a surprise when they try to run the science to prove their point and they find that, wait, cannabis consumers actually save us money. <laughs> they don't cost us as much in our, in our employee health care when they're, you know, buyouts for injuries and, and for the pharmaceutical drugs they'd be using. Anyway, this uh, Wall Street Journal article concludes by pointing out that the Massachusetts law does allow employers to either prohibit or expressly allow on-site marijuana use. So there could you could actually have companies in Massachusetts that allow you to smoke a joint on break. And that leads me to this other article, which kind of brings up how this naturally has evolved. It's an article in the Californian which I guess is the new, like, the cannabis for California. The Californian. Because all the other good names were taken, I guess. Anyway, um, this article's entitled, Drug Testing, Tech Firms Adopt Don't Ask, Don't Tell Stance on Cannabis Use. And it, it goes into detail about how there's this white-collar, blue-collar divide when it comes to drug testing. As they write, If you design computer chips at Intel or web pages at Google, you won't be tested. 
But if you drive a Samtrans bus or operate a crane for a construction company, you will be. At UC Berkeley, professors aren't tested, but campus police officers are. The network company Cisco Systems doesn't test. The construction company Cisco does. In many ways, it's a digital divide with zero tolerance for many blue-collar workers and a don't-ask-don't-tell policy among tech-savvy cubicle dwellers. Now, I can tell you the good reason for this, and it's the same reason the NBA doesn't drug test in the offseason. They'd like to be able to field five guys for a team. And the same thing applies in the tech world. The tech world, if you started drug testing in any serious manner, you would lose so much of the best talent in the tech world, and they know it. Companies that have tried to institute drug testing have found their best programmers, their best creative designers, moving off to some other company or forming their own damn startups to get, to, uh, get around that kind of thing. I worked in IT for years specifically as a contractor, specifically to avoid drug test discrimination. Hell, you read the, the biographies of Steve Jobs and, and some of these other tech titans. Not just marijuana built the internet, but acid and mushrooms as well. Because these mental, creative, kind of logic-driven jobs are enhanced by the use of these substances. But it, it creates this divide now where, where people that are doing hard manual labor type jobs are denied from being able to use this herb that is not just good for us tech types, for us creative types, but fabulous for people that are working in construction, for dealing with their aches and their pains and their recovery time. Fabulous for people that are working in restaurants or other real high-stress jobs. And, and to discriminate against them in this manner, high-tech and or for, for the blue-collar and the, and the service jobs. And, of course, you know the, 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 the construction arguments, oh, well, we don't want the guy driving the crane to be high. Well, yeah, we don't want the guy driving the crane to be drunk either. Are you doing pre-employment beer testing? Are you demanding that your employees not drink alcohol ever? Of course not. We understand that, yeah, we've got this legal substance called alcohol, and people can drink it after they get done driving the crane. They can go to happy hour and get liquored up. We got no problem with that. We understand that the next day when the crane driver shows up, he's got to be sober. Why is this such a tough concept? for people in employment law to deal with. You know, I I might get it if, like, being high on weed was an invisible thing. Like, there's no way to tell. But come on, man. Eyes get red. <laughs> kind of glassy. If you can't tell that someone's high on weed when they're getting behind the wheel of the crane, again, you're not performing decent oversight and management. Let's quit trying to get use this easy magic bullet solution of some sort of special number on a test that tells us whether or not someone's a good person or, or is able to drive a car. Let, let's get back to evaluating actual human performance. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Stay tuned. Hour 2 is next. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I inhale. Uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. The talk radio program by, for, and about the cannabis community. We are live from beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon, at the new Delta 9 Studios in the southeast of the city. I love our new location. Everything I need is within walking distance. Eight blocks, one way or the other. There's a Dairy Queen. Oh, there's a Dairy Queen just five blocks away. Uh, gotta love the blizzard, folks. Gotta love the blizzard. Oh, yeah, and a, and a Taco Bell five blocks the other direction. So you got, you know, gastronomic disasters <laughs> on both sides. Oh, it's so fun, though. Delta 9 Studios is really taking off. And I was talking to the folks yesterday and uh, reminding y'all that uh, it's my goal for the start of 2017 to be back on video uh, get the show back up on YouTube. I've got uh, in this new Delta 9 Studios, we're also housed with my partner from the weednews.co site. Uh, if you haven't been following weednews.co, it's the fastest growing cannabis information site on the Internet. We've got the stats to prove it. And uh, you watch, folks. By summer, oh, my God, weednews.co is going to definitely be in the top uh, five or six marijuana sites on the net. You watch. Anyway, you can catch up with my latest writing almost daily. I haven't been so uh, good about it lately, but almost daily writing on weednews.co and also 
my partner, Johnny Green. If you've ever followed Johnny Green, the man, like, I get a lot of compliments from folks on my uh, production, right? I was like, man, you're so prolific. You write so much, man. You got two articles a week and you got all these blog posts and all these comments and the Twitter account, Facebook, and you're doing two hours a day of a cannabis show and you're traveling all over the country. Oh my God, you do so much. You're the argument against a motivational syndrome, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But my hat's off to Johnny Green. (laughs) Johnny Green puts out more content than I do as far as the blog posts go and uh, is doing that while holding down a full-time day job. Like he's got a real cubicle type job that he's got to do and a family with kids, right? Wife and kids. So, you know, me being here at Delta nine bachelor lifestyle, sitting at my desk, you know, doing my thing doesn't feel like work when I think about what Johnny's up to. So check it out at weednews.co. You can also catch writing from Anthony Johnson, the uh, man who passed measure 91 here in Oregon, got us some legal weed. And uh, Miguel, or Miggy420, is also one of our staff writers. You can check him out, all four of us, on weednews.co. And we're also going to get some new writers uh, involved uh, as soon as we can, just as soon as the uh, ad revenue starts to uh, make that possible. Anyway, coming up in this second hour, we're taking your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-534. Two five six five. If you want to talk about weed or politics or the politics of weed, however you want to do. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk about um, something I, I saw some folks talking about in the chat room in hour one, and that is this idea of hard drugs and soft drugs, and whether or not uh, we ought to be demonizing the users of either. And um, we're also going to talk a little bit about science. We love science here. We're going to talk about the uh, pharmaceuticalization of cannabis, the inevitable pharmaceuticalization of cannabis and what that means for the medical marijuana movement. Also, uh, we'll get into some uh, off the warpath politics stuff. Uh, Computer scientists are saying we need to take a look at some of the uh, voting machines. There might be some hacking shenanigans going on. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. 
Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's nice to know that they now have medical marijuana in Argusville. (laughs) Hey, where is Argusville anyway? Is it 40 miles away from one of the major cities? Let's find out. We'll go to the old Google machine here and see what we can find. Because that's part of the law in in North Dakota's uh, medical marijuana is it's got one of those halo things that says uh, if you uh, live within 40 miles of a dispensary that uh, you cannot uh, grow your own cannabis as a patient. You've got to go shop at the dispensary. And of course, North Dakota is a pretty sparse state. And when it comes to nearby cities, there's likely to only be four major cities in uh, North Dakota that are going to have dispensaries. And those cities of course would be Fargo, Grand Forks, Bismarck, and Minot, those are the four major cities, if you can call them cities, in uh, North Dakota. And the uh, Argusville is just north of Fargo. And I think it's close enough that they're not going to be able to grow in that city. Let's just check the uh, directions from Fargo to Argusville. Looks like we got a short drive. Yeah, twenty a 16-mile drive. So sorry, Argusville. Y'all aren't going to be able to grow your own marijuana. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway, for today's, uh, this segment, <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, science. Get a little talk about science here because we did this uh, story in the first hour about uh, the scientists that are working on cannabis as an exit drug. And they're trying to determine, you know, how it could help to stop craving for for cocaine or opioids or alcohol and and the framing of it is what i brought into question and this the framing being 
new pot-related drugs rather than just saying, you know, cannabis. Could you smoke cannabis and get off the cocaine? No, no, we need to process it into something. Because that's the paradigm we live under. That's, I've always said that's why medical marijuana is so threatening. It's, it's not because marijuana is this plant that, you know, heals in, in lots of different ways. It's that it upsets the paradigm that we've got set up for how we deal with medicine in this country. And, and not just this country, like the whole, the whole Western kind of uh, civilization, you know, at, in comparison to, say, you know, the, the Eastern, uh, you know, the Chinese and such that were into herbalism and the you know, Indian culture and so forth. But the Western culture has always been about the need to tame nature, that nature is chaotic that nature is imperfect and we can extract and refine and concentrate and, and, and make it better through science and artificial creations. And so the, the whole medical industry is kind of in that paradigm. It, it goes with this idea that, you know, the, the, the willow bark, the acetylic acid that's in the willow bark isn't good enough. You couldn't just make a willow bark tea for someone who's, suffering some sort of pain. It's better if we take that out of the willow bark and we process it and we make it into an aspirin pill, which now is not even how they do it, by the way. Right? It's not like there's big willow farms to make aspirin. Now aspirin is made through a synthetic type of uh, acetylic acid, which is made through petroleum products. <laughs> so you want to know how deep the oil industry goes understand that about 80% of our pharmaceuticals involve petrochemicals at some point in the process. Keep that in mind. But the, uh, this, this paradigm we have is based on the idea that we have to perfect nature. We have to extract the molecules from these plants and substances and refine them and perfect them and make them consistent. And then we'll have a medicine Then we'll have something that we can call a drug, a medicine. And the problem with medical marijuana in that is this whole system of these artificial drugs has built itself an industry of doctors and medical schools and pharmacies and pharmacists and all of this, this bureaucracy, these middlemen necessary to get the healing properties of nature to you. It, it, it reminds me of how the uh, Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, ran the world for centuries based on this idea that the salvation you seek from the Creator isn't something you can just go to the creator for. You have to go through these bureaucrats, these middlemen. You got to go to the priest who speaks to the bishop, who speaks to the cardinal, who speaks to the pope. And the pope gets the divine inspiration from God himself, who tells him exactly what the ancient Hebrew tales really mean, or however that works. That was the paradigm for, for centuries, that you couldn't just gain your salvation on your own. And then the Protestant Reformation happened. He had Martin Luther nail the treatise up on the, uh, up on the uh, church door. Saying, no, no, man, I've been reading the Bible. I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> I've been reading the Bible. The Bible says you can go straight to Jesus. We don't need the Pope. We don't need all these intermediaries. Salvation is something we can attain ourselves through nature itself, through the, our own existence. 
And that shook up the world so much, they're still fighting about it. 500 years later, there's still warfare between Christians of Protestant or Catholic denomination. There's still violence going on over that. So the same sort of paradigm is happening with medical marijuana in that we're rejecting this idea that we've got to go through the learned class. We've got to go through the priests and the, and the popes and, and the, the special books and all of that to get our salvation. No, we go straight to nature. We don't need the pharmacy. We don't need the guy in the white coat. We don't need the, the person who went to seven, ten years of medical school and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. We, we don't need that. We can grow this plant in our backyard and heal a whole bunch of things that we've been healing with pills. And not necessarily healing with pills, mind you. Living with, with pills. That really upsets the whole apple cart. That, that puts at risk doctors and medical schools and pharmacies and pharmacists and drug companies and the, the trucking companies that ship those drugs and I mean, it, just the tendrils reach deep into the economy. That's what's so threatening to some of these people about medical cannabis, but it's not going to be that threatening for long. It's not going to be that threatening for long because the eventual end destination of the pathway of medical marijuana is going to lead back to pharmaceuticals. You know, we, we point at things like Marinol. We say, ah, it's synthetic THC. It's not even derived from cannabis plants. It's made synthetically. Again, like the aspirin willow bark thing. They're making it synthetically now. But we poo-poo on Marinol and Sesamet and Nabilone, all that stuff, because it's just a single molecule and it doesn't have the entourage effect. You know, we also point that out with the CBD oils, right? It doesn't have the entourage effect. It doesn't have the THC doesn't have the terpenes, doesn't have the flavonoids and all the other things that work synergistically to make marijuana such a healing sort of herb. But that's for now, folks. That's just right now. Don't think science isn't going to figure this out. Already you've got guys that are, that are typing the genome for the cannabis plant to be able to find out exactly which genes make this plant different from that plant. Already, we've got scientists that are unlocking the point that indica versus sativa isn't so much the deal as it is, what's the myrcene content? How much myrcene terpene does it have? Above 0.4%, it seems to flip THC from being that sativa head high to being that indica couch lock. It's not whether it's sativa, it's indica. It just so happens indicas tend to have more myrcene. So what happens is, as science begins to work all this out, as they begin to do all the, the trials and the, and the double-blind, placebo-controlled experiments to figure out exactly how much THC and CBD and CBN and CBG and CBGB and all the rest of the BGs, uh, what levels make it work best for cancer patients? What levels of that, you know, the terpenes, uh, myrcene, limonene, pinene, beta-carophylline, how much of that in what sort of arrangement makes it work good for Crohn's patients? They're going to figure this out. They're going to get it typed out. They're going to get it nailed down to the point where you could say what condition you have. And they'll say, oh, oh, you've got IBS. Well, 
What you need is a THC to CBD ratio of at least 20 to 1. You need to have a 0.5 mercine content or higher. You need to, they'll have that all laid out. And, and you know, have you ever been in one of these like modern theaters that have the soda machine and you can pick Coke or Sprite or Pepsi, but they've also got like, you can put lemon or you can put in ginger or you can put in, you know, vanilla flavors. And there's like a million different combinations. That's where cannabis is going. I'll take this strain, add some mercine, pump in some linoleum. Uh, let, that's where it's going, folks. Science will eventually beat raw plant marijuana. Beer, beer. <laughs> and then there's always beer. So if, if science is going to develop the better product than the raw plant cannabis... What excuse will we have to keep the raw plant cannabis if all we're talking about is its medical use? My point is if you want whole plant cannabis, you got to fight for legalization for all people, not just medical marijuana. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh yeah, a little late getting to my safety meeting. Hope you're able to get to your safety meeting. And does anybody know why we call it a safety meeting? Where'd that come from? I know where 420 came from. Don't know about safety meeting. 
Works for me, though. I like it. Welcome back. It's uh, 23 after the hour. We're just hanging out here in Delta 9 Studios. And by the way, this Delta 9 Studios is uh, soon to be a 420-friendly Airbnb. And uh, what we're doing here, we got three activists that live in this house. And we all been activists for at least a decade. Yeah, I think maybe I've been activists the longest, actually. But uh, we're all been activists for at least a decade, and we know how difficult it is as activists to be, um, you know, putting all of the bills together and making enough money to survive. So we're offering this up as an, as a 420 friendly Airbnb for people that might be coming through the Portland area, doing some uh, some some work with the uh, you know legal marijuana industry here, coming out to a conference, whatever it might be, and uh, we'll have that listing up pretty soon. But uh, we'll let you know about that. And for the listeners of the Russ Belville show, we will have a special promotion code so that you can get like 10% off or something like that. And we mean 420 friendly. Actually, we're actually thinking of saying it's 420 mandatory. <laughs> like you can't stay here unless you smoke pot. <laughs> that might be that might be the rule. But uh, we're really sincere about that. We want to help activists out and we want to give people a, a taste of. Portland, a taste of legality. Um, so it's not just for activists. I mean, if you're just a, well, if you're a fan of this show, you're an activist at some level because you're getting yourself educated and I know you're talking to other people about this stuff. So we're going to call you an activist. And so if you'd like to come out, out here to beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and you're just looking for a place to stay. Just let me know, and we'll put it up on the Airbnb, and we'll let you know what the, the, the cost is. It won't be much, but uh, definitely be more affordable than a Portland hotel. Or, if not as affordable as some Portland hotels, at least you can smoke weed and do dabs here. <laughs> so we got a full dab station. Uh, we got a full. Uh, we got uh, lots of weed, and um, also a pretty decent uh, bar that we've started up. If you're into the uh, ethyl alcohol, that's starting to happen. So, yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, that's the latest development here at Delta Nine Plus. Uh, if you stayed here, you could watch the show live. Got a little setup. Got a couple of chairs here for people to uh, check out the show. You can see how exciting it is to watch me talk into a microphone. <laughs> it's just oh, it's a thrill a minute. <laughs> Plus, we'll be bringing back the uh, webcam soon, and we'll have that up on. Uh, you know, I. I think I'll do it on the YouTube live, although I've heard some good things about Facebook live. I'm still evaluating my options. Maybe if we have enough uh, guts, we'll do it on both at the same time. That might be cool. All right. Let me get to a, a subject here that was brought up in the first hour. And it was uh, a discussion I saw. And I didn't get the whole discussion, so forgive me if, I, if I'm mischaracterizing it. But uh, basically about hard drugs, soft drugs. And, uh, you know, somebody was saying, you know, it's not right to demonize meth. And somebody else was saying, yo, what meth? Are you kidding? And, and then so what about crocodile or crocodile or whatever that drug is called, you know, creates all the open sores and stuff. And, and so I wanted to weigh in on this because I think it's in this uh, in this legalization area. It's something we're going to have to pay close attention to. And that is it's, in my opinion, wrong to be demonizing other drugs. I, I always cringe when I hear marijuana reformers say, let's legalize marijuana so 
police can go after the real drug problems, the real hard drugs. That always bothers me when I hear that, right? Because how is locking up a heroin addict supposed to help? Jail's a lousy rehab, folks. Lousy rehab. The people that are having the problems, and, and, and look, let's, let's get this out of the way first. Yes, cannabis is different than all these other drugs. Yes, cannabis does not cause death, and these other drugs do cause death. They can cause death from overdose. Yes, cannabis is only mildly dependence-causing for a very small minority of people, while some of these other drugs can have much higher addictive potential. I do not deny that at all, and I do not deny there is a kind of a designation between hard drugs and soft drugs. Generally speaking, your soft drugs are marijuana, mushrooms, LSD, uh, some, some of these club drugs, molly, uh, ecstasy, and so forth. Hard drugs, people generally think of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, um, PCP, drugs that can cause you know, severe reactions and, and, and deep addictions. So that's our disclaimer. Let's start from that point that, yes, I do acknowledge that, that, that cannabis is a special deal. Cannabis, it's almost as if there should be soft drugs, hard drugs, and cannabis. Like Cannabis ought to be its own category. It's not even like in the soft drug category. It's, but yeah, all right, let's keep it there <laughs> just for simplicity's sake. But even acknowledging that this is the fact, I think it's important that we understand that the problem with drugs isn't in the drugs themselves, it's in the person's relationship with them. And those relationships can be bad relationships, just like, you know, somebody can hook up with an abusive spouse or something, but that doesn't make the person who's being abused the bad person, right? The, the, the woman who's trapped with the, 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 the wife-beating husband, she's not a bad person, and neither is the person that's addicted to heroin, who's trapped in that bad, abusive relationship with a the drug. They're a victim. They're someone who deserves our compassion, someone who needs some help. And locking them up and demonizing them and, and making, it, making their acts criminal makes it worse. There's, there's nothing about any drug that doesn't get worse by criminalizing it. So that's why I worry about this talk about, well, we need to go after the hard drug users. No, we, we need to help the hard drug users. And we need not demonize them and help do our opponent's job. See, we've got some special electoral advantages when it comes to pot, just because of the nature of what pot is. So many people have used it that it's hard to demonize now. Not a lot of people have used heroin. <laughs> so it's, it's easy to say that heroin does all this terrible stuff to people or meth does all this terrible stuff to people when so few people have used it. And don't know any better. But the facts are that most of the people that use meth and most of the people that use heroin don't have a problem with it. The National Institutes on Drug Abuse back me up on this. They'll say even for something like heroin that's got like a 25 to 30% addictiveness potential or cocaine that's like at 15% or meth that's at 20 or whatever these numbers are. They're not majorities. <laughs> if you're telling me 20% of the people get addicted, you're telling me 80% don't. 
If 30% get addicted, 70% don't. Most of the people that use drugs use their drugs just fine. Get up the next day and do their job or take care of their kids or whatever they do. So be careful on this. Try not to demonize the users of other drugs because I think we all agree that criminalizing them isn't beneficial. But cannabis enjoys these electoral benefits. So many people have used it and it doesn't kill anybody and it's high is relatively mild. So we're able to use things like marijuana is safer than alcohol. And we can drive that home and drive that home and we can, we can leverage the hypocrisy of treating a terribly harmful, addictive drug like alcohol one way and then treating cannabis much more harshly. It's an easy case to make. You can't make that case as easily with meth. If we ever get around to the campaign to start decriminalizing meth and treating meth users with some compassion and, and getting them some help. And when it comes around to the campaign for that, how are we going to, you can't say, well, meth is safer than alcohol. Well, not really. <laughs> uh, both are harmful. I'd argue that alcohol is more harmful by the way, but you know, that would be a tough, tough case to make politically, but you, yeah, it'd be, you couldn't make the meth is safer than alcohol case. You couldn't make the, we're going to make a lot of tax revenue for the kids and, and, and improve our schools. Because with marijuana, you can at least say, well, look, people are smoking pot. It's not really causing that much harm. Might as well make some taxes off it. But when it comes to meth, you'd be asking people to say, hey, let's get our people addicted to speed so we can have better schools. And, you know, people aren't going to buy that. So let's not help our opponents keep these other drugs prohibited by buying into their framing of the terrible demonization that, you know, these are hard drugs. They must be gone after they must be eradicated. You know me, I think all drugs should be legal. All drugs should be legal. Now legal is a spectrum that runs from chocolate to morphine, but they should all be legal. Somebody who wants a substance and wants to put it in their body is going to do so and making it illegal just makes it more harmful, adds criminal justice penalties, creates crime, violence, and corruption. So even people that want meth ought to have a way to be able to get it. Now, maybe that's more, you know, a scheduled got to see a doctor kind of thing. Maybe there's some sort of you know, special oversight on that. But let's not give that market to the criminals who make up meth in a one pot cook in a, like a two liter soda bottle in their backpack that blows up somewhere or fund some Mexican super lab somewhere. People just need to accept that drugs exist. People will do them. And because that creates a demand for drugs, somebody will manufacture them. And all we can do is either regulate that and benefit, bring some sort of benefit to society, or we can leave it to the criminals. And we can make these substances more expensive than they ought to be, which leads the people that have the serious addictions to be forced into crimes to be able to pay for their stash. So that's, that's my message for this post-legalization world in the cannabis community is to 
Start looking at the other drug communities. Start understanding what the issues are with things like naloxone and safe pill testing at raves and and uh, all you know clean injection sites that they're using for you know heroin and so forth. Get educated on the other drug issues as you are educated on this marijuana issue. Because it's really not about marijuana. Never has been. It's really about personal liberty. It's really about freedom. It's really about what we do to ourselves and whether or not the government has any say in that. And I have always argued, if you can't show me direct harm from what I'm doing to myself, you have no right to try to stop it. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll go off the warpath, take a look at this uh, claim of electronic vote hacking in the presidential election. Oh, my shenanigans. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. and THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft Weed Software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter from Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. 
only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour. All right, so... uh, (laughs) Yeah, following out the uh, story, looks like it's uh, failing now. But there's this uh, story that got a lot of play uh, through the mainstream media about... uh, the Center for Computer Security and Society, believing they had found evidence that the results of the election in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania may have been manipulated or hacked. Uh, and this is a story we brought up the other day, where supposedly they held a conference call with the Clinton campaign to say that they found that uh, in Wisconsin... Hillary Clinton received 7% fewer votes in counties that relied on electronic voting machines compared with counties that used optical scanners and paper ballots. Based on the analysis, she may have denied 30,000 votes. She lost Wisconsin by 27,000. They say they didn't uh, find any proof of hacking or manipulation, but they say they ought to audit these uh, machines, especially considering the accusations of the Russians being involved in hacking the DNC. Now, even with this uh, theory, it's kind of a long shot because it would need to tip Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan, which hasn't been decided yet, but that would have to go her way as well. So three of these states would all have to be found to have been uh, improperly hacked. And if those votes were flipped, They'd have to flip enough of them to turn all three of them. And, of course, there's deadlines involved here, too. Uh, In Wisconsin, uh, recount deadlines this Friday. Pennsylvania's deadline is Monday. And Michigan's recount deadline is next Wednesday. Now, the uh, follow-up on this, there's been a follow-up by Halderman. (laughs) Interesting that that's his name. And he's the professor at the uh, security center there. And he's posted just today uh, a blog post that says, you may have read at New York magazine that I've been in discussions with the Clinton campaign about whether it might wish to seek recounts in critical States. That article, which includes somebody else's description of my views incorrectly describes the reasons manually checking ballots is an essential security safeguard and includes some incorrect numbers to boot. Let me set the record straight about what I and other leading election security experts have actually been saying to the campaign and everyone else who's willing to listen. So uh, he starts by talking or asking about whether or not a foreign government could actually hack America's voting machines. And he leads this leads to, uh, you know, a theory about how they might spread some malware into the machines to uh, work during the election and then erase its, you know, evidence. So he asks, could anyone be brazen enough to try such an attack? A few years ago, I might have said that sounds like science fiction, but 2016 has seen unprecedented cyber attacks aimed at interfering with the election. This summer, attackers broke into the email system of the Democratic National Committee and separately into the email account of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, and leaked private messages. 
Attackers infiltrated the voter registration systems of two states, Illinois and Arizona, and stole voter data. And there's evidence that hackers attempted to breach election offices in several other states. In all these cases, federal agencies publicly asserted that senior officials in the Russian government commissioned these attacks. Russia has sophisticated cyber offensive capabilities and has shown a willingness to use them to hack elections. In 2014, during the presidential election in Ukraine, attackers linked to Russia sabotaged the country's vote counting infrastructure and, according to published reports, Ukrainian officials succeeded only at the last minute in diffusing vote-stealing malware that was primed to cause the wrong winner to be announced. Russia is not the only country with the ability to pull off such an attack on American systems. Most of the world's military powers now have sophisticated cyber warfare capabilities. So were this year's deviations from pre-election polls the results of a cyber attack? Here's where it gets uh, the gist of the point. Probably not. I believe the most likely explanation is that the polls were systematically wrong rather than the election was hacked. But I don't believe that either one of these seemingly unlikely explanations is overwhelmingly more likely than the other. Now, it's interesting because the... uh, the, the website Red State is concentrated on the first part of that, but not the second. <laughs> They're concentrating on the fact that he issued this, uh, this uh, response saying that it's more likely the polls are systematically wrong. Ignoring that this guy is saying, hey, both of these are unlikely, but neither one is more unlikely than the other. And he, at, he says, the only way to know whether a cyber attack changed the result is to closely examine the available physical evidence, paper ballots, and voting equipment in critical states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, nobody is ever going to examine that evidence unless candidates in those states act now in the next several days to petition for recounts. He also points out that there's uh, serious cybersecurity problems with America's voting machines, uh, numerous peer-reviewed papers and studies have been pointing out for years that they are subject to malware. He's done it in the lab, as a matter of fact. And he says it also doesn't matter whether or not they're on the Internet or not, uh, because they all can you can be infected by removable media like, a, you know, a memory card or a, a USB drive that they load the software onto. And why hasn't more been done about this? Well, because money costs and so forth. Every state has its own elections system. And some of these places are more reticent to want to have voter verified paper trails than others. California has banned these uh, computer voting machines, but other states are still using them. Now, the best possible technique we could use, paper ballots. Paper ballots. He says we use two kinds of paper system, either uh, a ballot paper that gets scanned, optical scan voting, or uh, a computer that counts the vote and prints the record on a piece of paper called a voter verified paper audit trail. Either way, the paper creates a record of the vote that can't be later modified by any bugs, misconfiguration, or malicious software that might have infected the machines. After the election, human beings can examine the paper to make sure the results from the voting machines accurately determined who won. Now, we need to do this. We need to get 
voter verified paper trails in all of our voting systems in this country. It seems just obvious, doesn't it? Like, would you would you trust ATMs that didn't give receipts? Doesn't matter whether you actually want the receipt, but if it didn't have that option, would that be a problem for you? Why is something as important as our vote not backed up with a paper trail, not backed up with a receipt? That's just obscene. And we're talking about these elections that are really close. The uh, margin in Wisconsin right now is 0.7%. In Pennsylvania, they're at 1.2%. And Michigan, 0.3%. Time to take a look at this stuff and and just... And and I'm not holding any illusions this is going to change anything, right? That that it's going to result in Trump not being president and Hillary Clinton becoming president. No. That's not the point, though. The point is that we need to have a serious look at how we vote in this country and deal with these electronic machines. This is a this is not something that should be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be Republican or Democrat. This should be something where we all recognize that our democracy is important enough to have a receipt. And it's not like we can't do it. Canada does this. Canada votes completely through a paper system, hand-counted paper system. Now, I know we've got 10 times the people, but we can do this. This is important. We need to make so many changes to our electoral system. Hell, if it were up to me, it'd be an all-vote-by-mail system. We've got it all going on here in Oregon, Washington, Colorado. You get your ballot mailed to you. It's one of them optical scan things. You fill out the little bubbles. Put an envelope, you mail it in, it gets scanned, and that paper is retained. There is a paper trail. We can actually verify our vote counts if we have to. You don't have to worry about standing in some long line, about too many, too few polling places to make it worth your time. You don't have to worry about taking time off work to have to go vote. You get this document, you get this full page voter guide, you know, 70, 90 page voter guide comes to you in the mail. You can take your time reading through every initiative and every candidate, make an intelligent, informed decision with your vote. And it just, it really breaks my heart. The extent to which we go to try to deny people the vote, you know, the voting rights act, the, uh, the major provisions of the voting rights act that were protecting a lot of the Southern states from the voting shenanigans they try to do. That was this was the first election where that wasn't in effect. And we saw more voting shenanigans. We saw too few polling places, people having to stand in line six, seven, eight hours to vote. On a Tuesday, people who have to turn to their boss and say, hey, boss, I I can't come in on Tuesday. I got to go vote. A lot of people can't do that. That's why we see less diligence toward the issues of poverty, working class issues in this country, because we systematically made it harder for those people to exercise their vote. They got to work. They got to go get on shift. Why we can't be like every other civilized nation and have our vote take place on a weekend or make it a federal holiday You know why we've got it on a Tuesday? You know why we vote on a Tuesday, by the way? Because back in like the 18th century, 
when they wanted to call for a vote, that call had to go out to people that were in the remote hinterlands of the early colonies, and they had to ride horses, and it took that long to get back into town. So you couldn't, couldn't have your vote on a Monday because that would make people have to ride their horses on a Sunday, and the Sunday is the Lord's Day, so we can't be riding across the country. So that's why we vote on Tuesdays, was to give people that day, Monday, to ride their horses across the colonies to make it in time for a vote. There's no logical reason to keep that anymore. Voting on a Tuesday makes no sense. Do it like Oregon. Vote by mail. Have the vote take place on a weekend, the official election day on a weekend. Make it easier for people to vote. Did you know in North Dakota is the only state where you don't have to register to vote? In North Dakota, you can show up. You don't even have to have a picture ID, although they ask for one. But there was a court case that ruled they don't even have to have that. If you can get someone to sign an affidavit that says you are a valid North Dakota resident, you just show up and vote. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, a uh, Alzheimer drug fails its test. It wasn't cannabis-based, I can tell you that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Freedom Sounds Like, brought to you by Portland Normal. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay, maybe you're high too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. 
Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Just four minutes left as we hit the top of the hour here. And a reminder, no show tomorrow because, hey, it's Thanksgiving, damn it. I get to have Thanksgiving, too. So no show tomorrow or Friday, but we'll be back on Monday with more new live radicalness. <coughs> also want to follow up. You know, we were talking about somebody asked about T-shirts yesterday about whether or not uh, there'd be a Russ Belleville show T-shirt. And I, I think we'll have one. Um, and I think we'll, it'll be the Reefer Radicals T-shirt. I think that's what we're going to call it. That's, that's what I've decided you are. Dear listener, you're a reefer radical. That's what we. That's what we're going to be, and it'll be reefer radical. Uh, uh, don't bullshit me. I look shit up. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out. But uh, thanks for the suggestion. I, I really quick wanted to cover this story about pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly. You know the big uh, big pharma company. Their uh, stock has fallen eleven point seven percent. And uh, they had a 15% plunge before that. Their stock has fallen because of new results in one of their phase three clinical trials for an Alzheimer drug. And this drug is called, oh, let me see. It's, you know, these drugs, they all sound like you just took a bunch of Scrabble tiles and kind of threw them out randomly. Uh, what is, I got to find the name of the damn thing. It's like Salismabub. Salismabub. Where is it? Where is the damn thing? Uh... Rat. Yeah, the Solanizumab. Solanizumab. Isn't that uh, isn't that Beyonce's sister? No. Uh, Solazan, Solanizumab. Okay. So this drug, they did not have any significant uh, slowing of their cognitive decline in phase three trials as compared to placebo. So this new drug by Eli Lilly is tanking. And uh, this has kind of killed its stock. It's uh, dropped quite a bit. And uh, the thing that's kind of kind of cracks me up about this is here they are dying with this solanuzumab. And as early this is their their uh, spokesperson uh, says, as far back as 2012, we've said solanuzumab was a very high risk program that was likely to fail. But despite the failed test, Eli Lilly has, quote, strong growth prospects without Sulazumabababababab. And it just, it just kills me because we've seen such promise with cannabis in halting, slowing the cognitive decline of Alzheimer's patients. The answer is staring us right in the face. Eli Lilly, if it wanted to make a ton of money, could give up on Sulazumababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababab
That's all the time we got for this day and this week. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. For our listeners internationally, have a great Thursday. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.